And uh, we're going to be in the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus chapter 3. Uh, of course, we're continuing our uh, Bible study uh, on the uh, tabernacle, different things about that. And uh, of course, as we're preparing for what God's going to have us, Lord willing, to do next year, uh, we are looking at different things in the scripture about this. And so uh, we've been looking uh, the last couple weeks that we've uh, been uh, preaching through Leviticus uh, on the different offerings, five different offerings that you find that God uh, either... Uh, commanded or was a um, an offering that was a free will offering that they could bring. And so, uh, so far we've looked at the burnt offering, uh, which represents complete surrender to God. Uh, we've looked at the meat offering or the meal offering and uh, represents consecration of our substance to God. And then tonight we're going to look at the what's known as the peace offering. So if you find your place, stand with me together as we read here Leviticus 1 through 6. The Bible says, and uh, and if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covered the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the planks, and the call above the liver, with the kidneys it shall be take it shall, shall, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It's an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. If his offering for a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord be of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you do for us, God. Thank you for our meeting tonight, Lord, the gathering of your people, the singing of your praises. Now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, would you speak to us? Would you help us? Uh, Lord, uh, we just thank you for just the opportunity to have your word and to study it. So bless us, we pray now. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The peace offering uh, represents uh, being reconciled to God. Of course, all these offerings were uh, done for a reason, for a purpose, and of course, everything about the tabernacle, uh, the focal point of it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was about what He was coming to do. It all pointed toward Him. And so uh, we again see that in this offering known as the peace offering. Uh, it was a... Uh, um, uh, it was an offering, the Bible says, was part of the category of a sweet savor to God. Uh, the, the burnt offering was, the middle offering was, and so is the peace offering. They were, of course, uh, voluntary offerings. Uh, the, the, the peace offering expressed thankfulness and reconciliation to God. The offer of the peace offering would bring either a lamb, a goat, or an animal from his herd to offer on the brazen altar. Of course, if you remember when we talked about the furniture of the tabernacle, the brazen altar was the first thing you came to when you walked into the court of the tabernacle. The first thing was right there, of course, was a place of sacrifice. And by the way, you couldn't get any closer to God until you first came to a place of sacrifice, representing the fact that you can't go any further in your relationship with God until you accept the ultimate sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And of course, this offering was offered on that altar. A portion of the offering was burnt unto the Lord, and the remainder was eaten by the priest and the offerer. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And so, as we as I get to look at this and think about this, uh, the Lord uh, showed me several things that I want to share with you about this peace offering. 
Uh, we see here, first of all, it talks about, and let's go and turn over to Leviticus chapter 7. It's a parallel passage to Leviticus chapter 3. This goes into a little bit more detail, and the passages go hand in hand. And uh, But we see here uh, what it says about this offering. And it says there, let's look at verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12. But here's the first part of the practical application. Here's what it says. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which ye shall offer unto the Lord. Now notice here the next, the first phrase of verse 12. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, cakes mingled with the oil of fine flour fried. See, there you go. Uh, God's for fried food. Amen? And uh, so now, I don't know that it was fried in what we fry our stuff in, but it says fried. Amen? Uh, but uh, uh, the point here of the offering, the Bible says, verse 12, for a thanksgiving. For a thanksgiving. So the peace offering represents an offering of thanksgiving. Now, I begin to chase that through the Scripture, and I found several um, uh, important things that are relevant to uh, us today about an offering of thanksgiving, an offering for thanksgiving. And uh, uh, let's go to Psalms 116. Let's start there, and uh, we'll look at several places here. Uh, but in Psalms 116, and what you find is, you find throughout the Scripture, offerings attached to the word thanksgiving. Look what it says in Psalms 116, verse 16. It says, O Lord, Psalms 116, verse 16, O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosened my bonds. I will offer to thee, here it is, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord, now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the O Jerusalem, Praise ye the Lord. And so we see here, uh, David called this an offering, a sacrifice, offered to thee a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I got to thinking about that. And uh, listen, folks, I get it. We don't offer animals today, okay? We don't have to offer these, uh, as it says here, the uh, the unleavened cakes with the oil, and the unleavened wafers with with oil and all that stuff. But listen, that doesn't mean that still today that God doesn't want us to be offering some sacrifices of thanksgiving. You say, what's that even mean? How do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. Amen. First of all, we can offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with our words. With our words. I won't have you turn to all these places. Some of them we will. But let's go ahead and go to the back of the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Of course, the book of Hebrew, Hebrews uh, was written uh, to the Jewish people that were trying to transition out of this mindset of Old Testament, uh, the way they did it in the Old Testament. And the book of Hebrews explains how that Christ fulfilled all that stuff. And you know, those, the, the Jews were slow learners, amen? In fact, so much to so that God turns his attention to the Gentiles because they just couldn't grasp, a lot of them couldn't at least, uh, what it was Christ did. Now, of course, some of them did. Uh, well, there, uh, in the book of Acts, when the, when the church was started there in the book of Acts, man, there were a lot of people uh, that were Jews that were saved. But for the most part, the Jewish people kind of blanked out on it all. So the book of Hebrews tries to explain uh, some of this correlation between Christ and the fulfilling of all these Old Testament things that they did. Notice what it says here, Hebrews 13, verse 15. Notice here it says, By him, therefore... Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, 
giving thanks to His name. Amen? Again, by Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Amen? By the way, you know what continually means? Over and over and over and over again. Amen? Here's what I say all the time, church, and I'm going to keep saying it. There ought to be certain phrases that come out of your lips all the time, without fail. And uh, those uh, things like thank you ought to come out of your the phrase, praise the Lord, amen, offer to God a uh, sacrifice of praise continually. And as God's people, listen, there is so much for us to be thankful for. Amen. By the way, let me just tell you something that helps me, okay? Uh, I, for the most part, am a, I am a guy that is, I, I'm, I'm the glass half full guy, okay? I'm a, a strong optimist in life, all right? I don't get bent out of shape real easily. And even sometimes when negative circumstances, I was trying to find a positive in those. But you know what? There's still days, amen? That even if you, if you try to have that attitude, you just sometimes, you know, I don't know what it is. Part of it's just our flesh. It's our carnal nature. It's easy sometimes if we're not careful to want to focus on negatives and let the negatives get us down. And I'm not even saying, folks, sometimes it's wrong to, you know, think about and deal with negatives. Truth be told, listen, folks, because of the sin curse, because of living in the flesh, life has negatives. Let me just remind you, listen, we're not at glory yet, amen? We're not there. There's still things we got to deal with because living on this sin cursed earth. Sickness, disease, heartache, sorrow, death, all those things. Amen? And have a way, if you're not careful, of really burning your soul down. Let me tell you what helps me. Okay? When I'm feeling that way, or if I sometimes feel like maybe my relationship with God's a little bit cold, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, my heart's not as warm and hot as it ought to be. Let me tell you what will warm it up instantly. You know what that is? Praise. Praise. Let me tell you for me, let me tell you my favorite way to praise. Amen? I love, and that's why we do it here on Thursday night, I love singing Scripture songs. Amen. Yep. Right. When I was here today, I started my prayer time. I mean, listen, folks, if, if you could see what I do here, you would, you would loco, loco, okay? But I just started walking around the room just singing some Scripture songs to the Lord. That's how I opened my prayer time to God. I needed that. I needed my heart warmed up a little bit before I entered in the presence of the Lord. And by the way, the Bible talks about coming to His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Amen? Listen, God deserves to hear His people offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving Amen. from yeah. our lips. Right. From our lips. Amen? Amen. Say it. Amen. Say it. Praise the Lord. I mean, listen, folks, just start praising. Start thanking Him. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, I say it all the time. We're some of the most blessed people on the planet. We're Americans. Man, start thanking God for that stuff. By the way, if you spend more time praising and thanking, you'll spend less time on the negatives and, and having a sour attitude. Amen? So we ought to offer those words, uh, the, the, the offering of words, as we're offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's what that peace offering represented. It was an offering of thanksgiving. Let me just show you one more place here because it's, uh, I think it's really good. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Let's turn over there. And uh, there's a lot of uh, places in the book of Revelation about this. We don't forsake a time. Can't look at them all. By the way, I will say, if, if you don't have a good time now, singing to God, praising God, thanking God, you ain't going to enjoy heaven very much. I'm saying Amen. What do you think we're going to be doing? This? Now, I get it, folks. I mean, we, we're not just going to be sitting on clouds playing harps, you know. Uh, listen, heaven, the eternal state, it's, it, we're going to live life more than we even live now. I'm just telling you. 
Okay, we're going to have jobs to do, tasks to do, things to, you know, serve God with, okay? But let me tell you what's going to be a big part of that, all right? Here, uh, Revelation 11, you there? Notice what it says. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, and this is a prophecy dealing with the millennial kingdom, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. I can't wait to the fulfillment of that verse right there. I can't wait for that. Right now, I can tell you right now, folks, the kingdoms of this world are not the kingdoms of our lords. By the way, you know who has custodial care of the earth right now? The prince and power of the air. You know why he does? Because we forfeited it, the Garden of Eden. God created us to do that. Okay, Man had dominion over the earth. We forfeited our right to rule over the earth when we sinned. That's why Satan has the power right now. By the way, that's part of the purpose of the tribulation period is to redeem the earth so uh, God's people can have it back. By the way, one of these days, Jesus Christ will personally, physically, in a physical body, be on this earth ruling and reigning and making sure things are how they're supposed to be. It's going to be a wonderful time. You know, I love thinking about and teaching about and studying about the real kingdom. We've done it before. We'll do it again. But notice what we see, verse 16. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and past reign. That's a powerful verse right there. I, thought, I love the song we sang tonight. Uh, uh, as far as uh, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. When I think about that song, I think about this moment in eternity. Amen. By the way, those four and twenty elders, you know what they're representation of? All the saints of all the ages. Yeah, that's right. They represent that. Why? The twelve tribes of Israel, right? Okay? Represents the saved Jewish people. Hey, the, the twelve apostles represents the Gentile nations. And together, we're all going to be around the throne of God. And let me tell you what we're going to be doing, folks. Praising Him with our mouth. You better believe we are. By the way, you notice here, fell on their faces. Let me tell you, folks, even in our glorified state, with our glorified bodies, the glory of God will bring us to the grave. Amen. You better believe it will. Why, why don't we just do it now? Amen. Amen? Listen, I always say it all the time. Don't wait till you get to heaven to spend time in the presence of God, worshiping Him, praising Him, spending time just you know glorifying His name. Do it now. I get it. Physically, you may not be to the point where you can get on the floor, all right? And some of you don't even try it. Amen, all right? And some of you are on the floor, we're calling an ambulance, okay? <laughs> but listen, there's something about uh, humbling yourself before God prostrate. There's something about that. And if you physically can, you want to do it from time to time. Amen? Something about it. So the offering of words express a, a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. By the way, that's not all. Okay, you chase it through the Scripture. What else? Okay, not just an offering of our words, but an offering of our substance. I don't have time to develop all this, but quickly go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. A sacrifice of our substance. Now look at how this starts. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Again, folks, you've got to look at Scripture in context, Okay. And everything's in there for a reason. The order of it's uh, all, all within reason. 
And uh, that's why it's important to uh, read not just a verse, but all the verses around it, because it sets the context for the truth. Look what it says in verse 6, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, he's not talking about seed in the field, okay? Not talking about, you know, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, that kind of thing. He's talking about our substance that he gives us, our, our material things, all right? And so notice what he says in verse 7, and we know that's true of the context. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. By the way, I'll say this, folks. If God has your heart, he's got everything else. He's got your heart. He's got your wallet. Amen. He's got your heart. He's got your song. He's got it all if he's got your heart. That's what he really wants, by the way. And by the way, we're talking about a this offering. We ought to willingly give it to him. He's deserving of it. He's deserving of it. But all that to say, if you go on down and read through all this chapter, um, and what you find out is that as we give our offering of our substance, listen, you know what that is? That is just a way for us to give back and offer an offering of thanksgiving back to God. That's why we have around Thanksgiving time what's called a thanksgiving offering, where we can take part of our substance God's given us and blessed us with and give it back to Him. Amen? And so listen, you want to be offering an offering of sacrifice? You can do it with the fruit of your lips, but you can also do it with your substance. By the way, that's God's plan to finance His work mm-hmm. through His people. Okay, remember something, okay? We ought to be a conduit through which God can flow through. Now, in the process of God flowing through us, He allows us to keep some for ourselves. But listen, we ought to just be a conduit that if God uh, uh, would so choose, He can flow substance through us to whatever avenue He wants it to go. And by the way, that's how the work of God goes forward. Okay, not through fundraisers. Yeah, yeah. We ain't ever going to be sitting going out through the town trying to sell candy to finance stuff for the church. Ain't ever going to happen here. By the way, you know what that's called? Glorified begging. Okay, realize what it is. Okay, hey, we ain't going to stand out, out here, okay, holding, you know, buckets and signs trying to raise money. We ain't doing that. Know what we're going to do? God's going to flow through us. Amen. And uh, now I'm not against. We've been talking about some of this, uh, some uh, potential grant money and things like that from organizations that, that donate to churches to build buildings. Listen, that's not begging per se. All right. That's just uh, someone who wants to because God has blessed them an avenue to help the church. OK, but, but all that to say, folks, God's plan is to flow through his people to accomplish his work. And that's how things get done around here. You know why we can have a strong missions program? Because God, you allow God to, to flow through you an offering of thanksgiving. That's why. Amen? And so that's how we can also offer an offering of, of thanksgiving. And then not only that, we see this, and an offering of ourselves. An offering of ourselves. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, for sake of time, you don't have to turn there. But here's what he said. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. And really, what's it say in Romans 12, 1 and 2? What does God want us as his people to be a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice. And that means simply this, okay? You know what, God? I choose death to myself, death to my desires, death to what I want, and in place, I choose what you want. Amen? Offering of ourselves to God. By the way, I told this to somebody the other day. I forget who it was. No, I think it was Jeremiah and I were talking the other day. 
Nobody ever, ever, ever said on their deathbed, I wish I wouldn't have lived for Jesus Christ. Nobody's ever said it. Nobody. Oh, I, I regret giving too much of my life to God. Nobody's ever said that. I'll tell you this. There's been lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people that have said, I wish I would have given more for Jesus Christ. No, listen, when we get to heaven and we stand before the Lord, God's not going to look at anybody and say, you know what, you were just, you just gave too much and you lived too, too holy of a life. And I'm sorry, but you know, that, that didn't please me. God ain't going to say that to anybody. No way. In fact, if anything, you know what, we're going to probably have to hang our heads in shame some. And God's going to be like, why didn't you do this for me? Why didn't you give more for me? Why didn't you live this way for me? That's, that's going to probably be a lot of our cases. Amen? But nobody, God's never going to say, you did too much for me. Amen? So listen, church, let me just encourage you. Offer yourself. Okay? Listen, not all of us can do the same thing. We're not called to do the same thing. But we all can do and give something. As long as you're breathing, God's not done with you. Amen? And there's something God wants to use you for. So this, this uh, peace offering represents an offering of thanksgiving. And then real quick, what else do we see? The peace offering represents an offering of reconciliation. Reconciliation. I like that word, reconciliation. Uh, here's the word we hear more about, and that's this, reconcile. You hear that quite a bit. Okay? In fact, sad to say... A lot of people, uh, when they have to file for divorce, and I ain't even saying that word, uh, but when they have to file for it, here's what most of the time it says, unreconcilable differences. Most of the time that's what it says. Okay? Well, I got good news for you, folks. Listen to me. When it comes to our relationship with God, there's nothing unreconcilable about it. Amen? Okay? What's that word reconcile mean? I love this, the definition. It means to call back into union and friendship the affections which have been alienated, to restore the friendship or favor after estrangement. That's what the word reconcile means. By the way, you know what, folks? Listen to me now. All of us have been alienated and estranged from God. By default, we have. Just the fact that you're born in this life, you've been alienated and estranged from God. Truth be told, from no choices you even made, just by being born, we're born as, uh, as a division between us and God. I'm glad God wasn't satisfied with that relationship. Amen. I'm glad for that. Amen. I'm glad God looked down and had pity and had mercy and had grace on we as the human race. Thank God He did for that. And let me tell you, folks, you know what? The fact that Jesus Christ being the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world was all about to reconcile mankind to God. To reconcile. Let's let's look at some Bible on this. Colossians chapter one. If you you want to turn there, you can. And uh, let's let's look at a couple verses here. And again, this peace offering uh, represented reconciliation. Reconciliation. Again, think about what it's called a peace offering. Peace. Okay. Listen, mankind is not born at peace with God. Mankind is born at enmity with God because of our sin. Something had to happen in order for us to be brought back into the fold or brought to the fold. Amen? And let me tell you what that was. Well, I'll just let the Scripture tell you what that is. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. By the way, who do you think that's talking about? Amen? Okay? Listen, Jesus was the image of the invisible God. Literally, okay, when people saw Jesus Christ, they saw God. 
He was the image of God. Okay? And so that's uh, who he was in his earthly body as the Son of Man. For by him, who? Jesus Christ, the one that was the image of the invisible God. For by him were all things to that uh, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. That's why he's the top dog. Amen. He made it all. It belongs to him. No one's greater than he is. He made it all. Amen. Listen, when he starts talking there about uh, invisible thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, what that's talking about, that's talking about the, the Satan's evil hierarchy that rules this planet. That's what it's talking about. Okay? All those things. And by the way, he is over them all because he made them. Now, he didn't make them to be evil. They chose evil. We know that. We know that story. Amen? But listen, he made them all. Look, verse 17. All things consist. I love that verse. Man, that speaks of how God holds everything together. All right? And verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. There's so much truth packed in these verses. Okay? Listen, I'll tell you right now. In heaven, he has the preeminence. Okay? And, uh, but you know what? On earth, uh, he only has the preeminence if we put him in that position. Because here's the thing. We can choose if we want, and a lot of mankind does, not to allow him to have the preeminence. Okay? That's a choice right now we get to make. I'm going to tell you right now, there's coming a day where that choice, nobody's going to make it. He's already determined it's going to be that way. Right now, he gives us the choice with our free will to allow him that position in our lives. By the way, we ought to. He's deserving of it. Amen? Amen. Now, I keep getting distracted. Man, there's so much, so much truth in this passage. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And here it is. You ready? Verse 20. Come on now. And having made peace through what? The blood of his cross. By him, here it is, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now hath he reconciled. That should have got a big amen right there. I'm going to go back in time and reread that verse. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Amen. There you go, church. That's good. Amen. How did he do it? Verse 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. I'm going to tell you, man, that, those verses right there, there's about ten messages in those verses. I'm not going to preach them to you tonight. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, folks, this offering that Jesus Christ made of himself was an offering that, listen, because of it was a peace offering that brought us as sinners to God. Amen? Amen. He reconciled us to God. So this voluntary peace offering represented the fact that mankind could have peace with God. Now notice here, and uh, we'll uh, kind of uh, uh, close on this thought, because this is really good, amen? And this is where the Lord showed me something that, that I think uh, uh, will really help us all, okay? Now, when this peace offering was made back in the Old Testament, something was going on when this peace offering was made. Remember, it's a voluntary offering. It's an offering of celebration. It's an offering of jubilance and joy, and out of a heart of thanksgiving, bringing it to God. What was going on when this peace offering was made? Well, listen to these verses here, okay? 
and tell me what you think after I get done reading these. And this is the law of the sacrifice, Leviticus chapter 7, of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. And if he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We already read these verses. I'm going to read, read them again. Unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Beside the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread. Note leavened bread, not unleavened, leavened bread, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it he shall offer one of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offered the sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. Okay? Now, again, I'm going to ask you here. We're going to look at this in just a minute. Notice what's going on. And then let's get down to verse 29 of Leviticus chapter 7. Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, He that offered the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord, shall bring his oblation to the Lord, the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the offerings to the Lord. Notice they're made by fire. The fat with the breast shall, be, shall he bring, and the breast may be weighed for a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. And the right shoulder shall he give unto the priest for an heave offering, the sacrifice of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron shall offer the blood of the peace offerings, and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part. For the wave breast and the heave shoulder have I taken the children of Israel from off the sacrifice of their peace offerings. I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons by statute forever from among the children of Israel. Okay, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but here's what I noticed as I read these verses this, morning, uh, this afternoon, okay? We have unleavened cakes mingled with oil. We have unleavened wafers anointed with oil. We have cakes mingled with oil, fine flour fried. And then you know also what we have? We have uh, the, the breast or the meat of the burnt offerings. You know what I call this? A Baptist barbecue, amen? <laughs> Listen, folks, this peace offering was a time of celebration. It was a thanksgiving. You know what it was about? Not only were they offering as an offering, it was a time for them to eat together and enjoy their company together. Amen. By the way, this wasn't just for the priest. The person that offered it had the right to, after they offered a part of it, to eat then of it, mm -hmm. as well as the priest. You know what that speaks of, folks? That speaks of the fact, why can there be eating together? Why can there be uh, the celebration of the sacrifice and eating and fellowship? I'll tell you why. Has been made. And listen, all these things represent the fact we can do this, we can celebrate this, because guess what? We are reconciled to God. Amen? And if this sacrifice was not the permanent reconciliation, it was a temporary, because the blood of bulls and goats and all that couldn't permanently cover sin. But it's what they did that represented the fact we're looking forward to a day where our sins will be permanently reconciled. Amen? And listen, this was, this was a time, a jubilant time, a thankful time. I mean, come on. When you're happy and you want to enjoy somebody's company, I mean, one of the best things you can do is sit down and enjoy a meal together. By the way, Jesus did this a lot. Jesus used meals to minister to people. You find it all throughout his ministry. You find it all throughout the book of Acts, the church breaking bread, coming together. It's a sign of fellowship. It's a sign of peace with God and peace with one another. Unity. By the way, all right, this word even gets even better. You know one of the first things we're going to experience 
in heaven after the rapture? One of the first things we're going to experience. You know what we're all going to do? We're going to sit down together with all the saints from the church, the church age, amen, and, uh, and, and the saved saints from the Old Testament, and we're going to sit down together, folks, and we're going to enjoy something. You know what it's called? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Think about it. One of the first things we're going to experience in heaven is sharing a meal with Jesus and each other. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to read those verses here for a second time. But why can all that happen? Okay? Why can we sit down together? Now, we can do that. But also, in eternity, why are we going to do that? Okay? Last two verses, and we're done tonight. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Why can we? Here you go. You ready? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let me tell you why any of this is possible. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's why, folks, it's a damnable, damnable thing for people to believe in anything else except Jesus Christ to save their eternal soul. Nothing else can save us, a soul. Nothing. Right. Amen? By the way, it's not Jesus plus anything. Right. It's Him alone. Amen. I mean, if you, if you just read the Scripture, I mean, the, the focal point of it all is Jesus Christ. Yep. And it's the fact that we, we, we as, uh, as the human race, even though our sin severed us from God, can have reconciliation with God through what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. Amen? And so the peace offering here, uh, what a, again, what, what a wonderful representation of, of, of our relationship with God, what it is now. Pray, Lord.